0: This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got many, many things I want to talk about today. Big list here. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, basically my show rundown is usually either kept on my iPhone uh, notes mode or or I I keep a, a Word document if it has to get expanded, and today I have both. That's how many topics I have today to get to. Joe Rossi, Gophers football defensive coordinator, will be on the show in just a little bit. Really enjoyed a conversation I had with him um, getting ready for the season opener in just a couple weeks against Ohio State. And just an interesting guy. Interesting uh, thoughts on defense, thoughts on his career. So hope you enjoy that conversation as well. Um, talk a little bit of twins. They walked off the uh, they walked off Cleveland uh, the other uh, last night, and it's uh, a kind of a milestone win in a way, in which I'll point out. I want to talk a little bit of links because I didn't get to that yesterday. I want to talk a little bit of NFL vaccines because the Raiders made an announcement that's a pretty big deal and makes me wonder if uh, if the same sort of vaccine. Uh, mandate will come to Minnesota and the Vikings. Got uh, Bill Guerin quotes to get to. He was available to the media on Monday after uh, after they signed Kevin Fiala to a one-year contract. Some interesting quotes about Fiala, some quotes about the Kirill Kaprizov negotiations as well. But first, what did I miss this is less breaking news than it is um, me kind of getting an idea and running with it. So the other day um, over under totals for every NBA team came out and there was a lot of chatter. Uh, this is by a points bet. This is a lot of chatter on Twitter um, about where a lot of different teams stand, including of course, local Timberwolves Twitter and uh, you know, wh- where where the Wolves number is the Wolves number uh for over under wins this year is sitting right now per points bet at thirty four point five um for those of you who ended the season last year with a lot of optimism about this team that's probably a dose of reality right thirty four point five is not a lot it's not you know that's six seven wins short of the five hundred mark forty one and forty one so that is a external thought of what this roster looks like right now, with frankly not a lot of additions this off season. You know, you had the Ricky Rubio trade for Torian Prince, but you know, that's that's a move kind of on the edge of the roster, not right in the heart of it. So I guess I think that number is reasonably accurate. I think a lot of Wolves fans think it's too low. I think a lot of Wolves fans have optimism that this can be a five hundred team, maybe even a little bit better. I can see that. I don't think that's far-fetched, but I think it's going to require um the execution of a few ifs including health including the inclu- you know the the continued ascent of Anthony Edwards. I think they're going to need maybe need maybe need to make one even more move on uh, on the fringe of this roster right now before uh, before I think that this is a team that's going to get to to get to that point. So, you know, it's it's just it just kind of goes to show the difference in perception. And now this is this is the uh, this is the real kicker. I I had to go back. Now, if you're really considering making this bet, if you are of the wagering sort of mind, and there are certainly places you can do that right now. Um, here's an interesting thought for you. I went back and looked. You know, Basketball Reference has a great resource. Basketball Reference tells you every year the over under number for each team going back. I went back as far as the 2003-2004 Timberwolves when they made it to the Western Conference Finals and going forward from there there's been a lot of disappointment for this team. But I wanted to know how disappointing was it relative to the over under mark that the, that the that the betting that the betting line was set at the beginning of the year that you had to guess or wager were they going to have more than that number of wins or less than that number of wins. And that's a lot of seasons we're talking about. We're talking about what to I think 17 seasons in there, uh, starting in 2004 and uh, all the way through last season. Um, folks, the over is not been a good bet. The Timberwolves are 3-14 and 14 if you are trying to bet the over. They've only hit the over on the preseason projected win total three times. I'm going to pause for one second. If you want to pause this podcast try to guess what those three are, you are certainly welcome to do it, but I don't know that you are going to do it. So, the times they actually were able to do it. Last time was 2015-16. That was the year Sam Mitchell took over um, after the tragic death of Flip Saunders right before the season started. The preseason win total was 27.5. That was the over-under number. Wolves ended up winning 29 games that year and hit the over. Last time before that, was 2011-12, and this is a sad one. This is a strike year, a lockout year, so the numbers aren't as bad as they sound. Uh, 66-game season. Preseason number was 23.5. Wolves got 26. 26-40. and woo uh, And 2007-2008, the preseason number was 19.5, and they got 22. So the three times they've made it, uh, they've won fewer than 30 games and still made it. Albeit one of those was a... Uh, a shortened season. Um, Came close in the good Jimmy Butler year. The preseason number was 48.5. Optimism off the charts. Almost got there, 47, and did make the playoffs. Uh, Possibly would have hit that number if Jimmy hadn't gotten hurt and if they hadn't been in such a tough conference. And the other very, very close one was the good Rick Adelman year. The preseason number was 40.5 in 2013-2014. Wolves got to 40 but could not get over the hump. They lost like a billion close games that season if I'm not mistaken. So that's it folks, 3 and 14. Every other season they have come up short and again, you know, the preseason over under number isn't always what Vegas thinks they're going to win. It's the number they put out there that will, you know, draw the most action on either side of it, either side of that number. So, you know, take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but please if you are thinking in any way about being overly optimistic about this team. Think about the history. I, I know the out, the over is a tempting bet if you are of that mind. I'm just saying, historically, it has not worked out for the Timberwolves if you were trying to bet the over. Speaking of gambling, I'm going to stay on this uh, just as a theme. I don't think I'd want to play poker with wild general manager Bill Guerin. Uh, he he kind of seems like the kind of guy who will just sit there and Knows what cards he has, isn't gonna, isn't gonna wait, to, isn't gonna see your bluff and and get panicky. He is just gonna sit and wait it out, wait for the big hand, wait for the moment and pounce. And it's it's kind of indicative in in two of the biggest negotiations right now. They signed Kevin Fiala to a one year contract on Monday, kind of meeting in the middle of arbitration style numbers that were exchanged. I think the wild number was around four million. Fiala's number was a little bit higher than that, so a little over six. So they meet at five point one. He'll have another crack at it next year um, when he when they can try to sign him to a long term contract again. But you know the the big takeaway from this is you know Bill Guerin has a number in mind basically that uh, that he's willing to pay for some of these guys, and that that goes for Kirill Kaprizov as well. So here's what he had to say about the Fiala negotiations, which I think is a very practical way of going about this.
1: Hey, look. Those are things that, as a player, you have to understand. And and this is a business. It's not a personal, it's not a personal attack. It's not uh, we like this guy more, we like that guy more. It's it's a business, and we have uh, you know a salary cap, we have a, a budget and a pay structure that we have to follow in order for us to be successful. And and that's what we're doing.
0: It is a business, right? It's a business to a certain, you know, to a certain level. It's it's fun, it's entertainment, but you know, in a, in a sport with a hard salary cap, when you are paying, you know, especially down the road, when you are paying guys a lot of money, Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi, you playing them a lot of money not to play. You have a certain number that you have to hit, or you're not going to be able to sign other players. Same goes for Kirill Kaprizov. It does not seem like Bill Guerin is particularly worried. If he is. He's not letting it show, and uh, basically he's uh, he's just kind of letting it all play out. Even as Wild fans start to sweat, we're in mid-August; we're a couple weeks away from this, you know, alleged deadline to, to figure this out from from his camp, or else he's going to go play in Russia. Uh, I don't think he sees that as a credible threat. Here is Bill Guerin on Monday talking about the Kirill Kaprizov situation as well.
1: I think things are things are going well enough. Um, you know, we still have lots of time. There there's no. There's no rush or panic. I, I'm constant communication with uh, with Carell's agent, and yeah, we, we continue to move forward.
0: Now the flip side of this is even if you win the negotiation, sometimes you risk alienating a player, and I I, I do have a, a concern about that. Um, usually, if anything works out in the end, it's okay. But you know, I guess a recent example maybe being Jose Barrios. The Twins got tremendous value out of him over the years on kind of series of one year um you know one year deals team control type things but when it came to you know trying to get him locked up to a long term deal he was uh he was not having it so ended up having to trade him and obviously the the way this season has gone played into that as well but uh you know just keep that in mind as you watch these negotiations i don't think it's going to be a trouble point as long as this, as long as these guys get paid eventually But, uh, you know, Bill Guerin, I guess the overriding message here is Bill Guerin not messing around in negotiations, not going to be kind of hurried into any sort of deal that he is not ready to make. I'm Chris
2: Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe.
0: Happy to have on daily delivery today, Gophers defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi. Um, First time on the program. Welcome, Joe. How are you doing?
2: Doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Happy to have you on talk a little go for football, little defense. Um, I, let me just jump right in. You know, whenever I talk to, you know, whether it's my colleagues, whether it's people outside of uh, outside of the building, which is always get to good, get a, get good to get a better perspective. When I talk to them about go for football this year, they say, you know, um, offense, a lot of experience, a lot of people coming back, defense, Question marks. So give me your give me your pitch. Why, why, why is that narrative either correct or why do you feel like the defense actually is going to be just fine?
2: Well, I do think the narrative is correct. Uh, You know, they are from an offensive perspective. We have a lot of players back defensively. Uh, We had some new guys stepping in. Uh, You look at our season last year defensively. You know, it wasn't where we wanted at the beginning of the season. I think if you look at how it ended, uh, there was tremendous improvement from game one to game seven. Um, And, you know, I think we kind of referenced with our players that we kind of viewed that as our floor. And what I mean by that is how we ended is kind of our floor in terms of our potential. Um, The stealing. We didn't know what it's going to be. We still don't know what it's going to be. We determine that every day with the work that we put in. You know, we talked about that in the winter. We talked about that in the spring and thought they killed the, the winter program. And I thought they had a tremendous spring ball, um, you know. And so when you take those two things into account, and I think we're six in, you got to, uh, I apologize. You know, the days start to run together yeah. a, a college coach during training camp. I think we got six in, in terms of uh, padded practices um, or, uh, you know, countable practices. But I think that, you know, we, we've got really good work in. So, you know, I think the narrative's right. Uh, I think where the narrative's wrong is just because it wasn't where it needed to be doesn't mean it's not going to be where it has to be and where it has to be this season. And so I'm excited about the players that we've added. I'm excited about the guys who didn't have a lot of reps under their belt because of inexperience, COVID, uh, you know, quarantine, those types of things. They've got reps now. Uh, I'm excited about the freshmen that we've added. Uh, I'm excited about the defensive staff that we have. And so when you kind of take all those things into account, you know, I'm excited about what this group can, can do. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I'm not going to make a case for what we're going to do. We're going we're to show it. We're going we're, we're to do it. And, and, and we're going to, you know, no one wants to hear about it. They want to see it. But I can tell you, our guys are working really hard. And I really like the group in the room. And I really like our defensive staff. And with 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 those things, you know, I feel confident that, that people are going to see a, a significant change in in what they saw at the beginning of the season last year.
0: You you referenced last year a couple times, and I was going to get to that. Maybe we might as well get to that now. Even even if you didn't know a single thing about what happened last season, you just saying game one to game seven uh, that tells you the last year was not a normal year, and there was so many other things about last year that weren't normal. How do you even begin to describe what? what that was? How do you even evaluate yourself and, and the season you had because everything was so off kilter last year?
2: Yeah, I, I think you do your best. I mean, you, you just can't use the, 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 the model that maybe you used for, for different years that quote unquote were normal. You know, when you take into account, um, obviously COVID, quarantine, uh, guys out in and out of the lineup, no spring ball, uh, all those things. And then you take uh, social injustice and all the things that were going around the country. but then also the fact that it Minnesota, Minneapolis was really the epicenter for that. And I think that, that, that the effect maybe it had here was different than you know somewhere in Idaho um, that when you take all of that and you factor it in, that's why 2020 was so unique. Um, and so I think you've heard Coach Fleck kind of reference that on, on multiple occasions. So I think what you do is you just evaluate it for what it was that year. And so you look at the season one through seven, and you see who improved and who didn't, and who needs work, and any changes or anything that needs to be done within the defensive scheme or things of that nature. And then you evaluate where the guys are coming into January, and then where they left, and then where they were coming into spring, and where they were when they left, and then training camp, and so on and so forth. So, um, I, I've just been excited about the work, and, and I'm excited about the people that we have. So. Uh, We've got a lot of work to do to get ready for the season. So this is a huge week. So is next week before we get into opponent prep. Um, But uh, they're on the right track for sure.
0: When you think about, you know, the people you have on the roster this season, you know, plenty of incoming talent. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Some grad transfers, you know, other transfers of, of that nature. Some incoming you know, players who didn't play last year. Uh, of the newcomers, give me you know two, three, four, however many you want names, um, you know, skill sets that you think fans should be looking out for, excited about. Yeah, I think
2: you know if we, we kind of start our, our our way from the the front to the back, you know, now's Pickney, you know, it, it, it defensive tackle, um, you know, came in in January and. Really had a really good spring. Uh, he battled some 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 just some things early on in terms of you know just the amount of reps, and I think he he was able to sh- to shake the rust off and got going and did a really good job at the end of spring. And then you look at him in training camp, and he's picked up where he's left off and done a phenomenal job. Um, you know, Val Martin also a guy that came in you know from um, is a, uh, the transfer route was here in January and did a really good job in the spring, and and we're very excited about. Um, uh, he's done a, a really good job to this point as well. Um, and then you kind of move back to the linebacker level, you know, Jack Givens come in, uh, played a lot of football starter, um, you know, came up from the FCS level and hasn't missed a beat smart, physical plays downhill, very good at key and diagnose. Um, and then, you know, a, a secret one that people forget about is Braylon Oliver. Oh yeah. The guy him yeah. for us, in 2019, at uh, it, it, Sam Backer, you know, wasn't able to be with us last year for, for, for the injury situation. And he's back and been very excited about him. And, uh, but then, then you take some of the, the younger guys um, that have just really stepped up and done some really good jobs, you know, up front and, and linebacker as well. And then in the secondary, you know, you get, you, we have guys like Flip Dixon, Michael Dixon, who, 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 who shared time last year at the end of the year, uh, you know, Justin Wally. Uh, was a guy that came and enrolled early um, and did a really good job for us in the spring and and, and many more that I haven't mentioned but um, you know we're excited about those additions to the roster whether it be by uh, some guys you know transferring back from injury or just some of the new freshmen that have just gotten here.
0: the transfer rules we've talked about extensively on on this show not with you obviously, but just just from a coaching standpoint, I'm curious like there's a lot is made about, Continuity in coaching, you know, having players for two, three years, you know. That said, sometimes you can get somebody in for one year that makes a massive impact just because of their talent. How do you kind of balance the idea of just, you know, building a roster with you know one offs and guys who just just are so good that you want to have them versus you know the guys you get in as freshmen and, and they hopefully stay with your program for you know four or five years.
2: Yeah, you know, I think Coach Fleck. Um, you know, he he says it all the time that we're a developmental football program. You know, that's where the majority of our team is going to come from. And that's really honestly what our preference is. However, uh, with what the rules are and what has happened in college football, I think anytime you maybe have uh, a situation where you need to add to a position, whether it be someone by someone leaving early uh, for the NFL draft or maybe an injury or, you know, some just some things of that nature, then you can look to the to the portal and you can supplement your roster but our roster is a, you know going to be primarily made up from a recruit and development standpoint now that said um, you know I think the guys that we take here uh, you know then this comes from coach and, and what he's looking for and, and the charges on the assistants to be able to identify these guys is we got to find people who fit Minnesota sure. um, and when I say that fit Minnesota uh, I'm not talking about football I'm talking about um, the culture of the program, you know, being the right people, uh, just the, the things that that, that we believe in value, and so it's hey, who are the guys that are good enough? But then go find the ones that also fit as well, because I think the danger sometimes, and this is kind of what you were referencing, is if you're constantly bringing in new guys and plugging them in, you know, how do they acclimate? Uh, how does that, you know, how does that whole thing work out? Well, right. like in life, if you get the right people okay, the right values and believe in the, in the similar values that, that our program has, I think it's a seamless transition. And then again, keep it in mind that, that most of our, our, our roster is going to be made up of, of guys that we recruit and develop. A
0: couple more things for Joe Rossi, Gophers defensive coordinator, enjoying this conversation. Um, you know, I, just looking back at your career path, I believe this is about 20 years in coaching for you when you're, you know, in the middle of your career, in the midst of your career, I don't know how often you look back and think back about that path, but, you know, 20 years is a considerable amount of time. And you know, any coach who gets to this level usually has to work his way up. Have you thought about just like what it took you to get to this moment in this place.
2: You know, I'm, here's what I would say. You know, I played division three football. You know, I started off coaching division three football, uh, for six seasons and then, you know, went to one way for five at a program that was really not a have not. Um, and so I, I over over half the time that I spent coaching would be quote unquote have not programs or, or lower level programs. Um, but I, I, I take pride in that. Um, and I, I, I really appreciate that path. I think the perspective that it gives you, as you said, hopefully I'm only in the middle, uh, but it does give me the perspective of the value where you're at. You know, and you know, I work for uh, a tremendous head coach. Uh, I coach in the Big Ten. I'm at a very prestigious university. Love Minneapolis. So, you know, sometimes in any profession, not just coaching, I think sometimes people get caught up, and you know, the, the grass is always greener, or you know, this job or that job. And you know, there's something to be said for you know, appreciating where you're at, having gratitude for for where you are. And I certainly have that. And I think the thing. That, that you just referenced the, the passing of time. I, you know, I, I just uh, appreciate being here and having what we have, because I can remember uh, when I was started off coaching division three football and, you know, was making $4,000 a year. And, you know, we were in a converted house that, that the back porch was condemned, but we converted it into a video room. And, uh, you know, if you, if there was an extra diet Coke running, laying around, that was like a, a big deal for the day. Um, as opposed to being here and being very blessed and fortunate. So it's just the perspective of being grateful for being here and being around the people that we have here.
0: Love that answer. Last thing for you, Ohio State is uh, certainly not a have-not program. You just uh, referenced (laughs) the idea of have-not programs. That is the first one on the schedule this year, a little bit unique. Um, Again, like you said, you're not really into specific like team prep and whatnot, but when Ohio State's the first team on your schedule, I'm sure they get your attention a little bit. What do you think about opening with with them and just what, you know, the challenge and the opportunity that presents?
2: You know, obviously they have a tremendous roster. Um, they're very talented. You know, they have some people that have moved on to the NFL, you know, but they're replacing them with very talented players. Um, so we know that we're going to have our, our, our hands full with the amount of skill that they have. You know, opening games, uh, are, are always unique um, for, for multiple reasons. Sometimes it's because there's a new coordinator or new scheme, which for them, isn't necessarily the case. Although everyone always makes changes in the off season after they look at things, but other times it's just new people um, and, you know, a new quarterback or a new offensive lineman or a new, whatever it may be. So there's that challenge. And then there's just always a newness uh, in the season, um, you know, there's, in my opinion, over those 20 years that you referenced, sometimes the, the openers are, are are crazy games, um, just because it's the first one. It isn't like uh, professional football where there's four preseason games and then you go in and 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 you kind of have that. It's it's different in college. I think those opening games there's a there's a little bit of uniqueness to it. So when you take all of those things that you kind of mentioned. You know it's a very you know exciting game. You know to be here at home and, and um, on a Thursday and open the college football season against a really good opponent who's got a lot of talent. You know it, it's awesome for our guys. And like you said, we're we're not necessarily onto them right now. We're we're focused on building our roster and executing our scheme and our fundamentals. And we'll kind of shift that in you know about a week and a half, two weeks.
0: Sounds good, Joe Rossi. Thank you so much for your time today. Sure, this is a busy time of year for you. So definitely appreciate you taking the opportunity to come on with me on daily delivery and best of luck this season. All right.
2: No problem, Mike. Anytime. Thanks for having
0: me. Really enjoyed that conversation with uh, with Joe Rossi. Hadn't sat down with him for an extended period of time. Looking forward to this gopher football season as well. I'm curious about it. Um, I think I've mentioned this once or twice on the podcast before. Just I had a hard time getting into college football last year. Felt like you know, no fans in the stands for college sports really impacted those games more than others. But this season, with the return hopefully to something closer to normal and capacity in stands, we will see. Uh, we'll see a, a, a more interesting season, and we'll see the Gophers if they're able to kind of build on that momentum from two seasons ago and wipe away some of what happened last year. So the Twins with another walk off win Monday. Uh, it was. Looked like it was a little tenuous. They had bases loaded, nobody out in the bottom of the tenth tie game. Then I think Rob Refsnyder hit into a double play, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh man, are they gonna? Is this one gonna go by the wayside?" Then Jorge Polanco gets a hit right away, walks off Cleveland 5-4. Now you know, the game, the individual game outcomes, like we've talked about, don't matter a whole lot right now. But I do have to mention a milestone: Twins now 53. 53- and 66. Not great. Not not good even. Not even average. However, we talked a lot about the beginning of this season and how everything went wrong, how there were various reasons why everything went wrong. Um, and since then, it hasn't been nearly as bad. If the Twins are trying to point to anything that that says next season could be better uh maybe not uh maybe not a world series or or nothing kind of year but if things could be better next year here's something for you to file away right now twins were 14 and 28 after a after losing the first game of the doubleheader to uh to the angels that was that wasn't the overall low water mark of the year they went further below that but ever since that point They've kind of been more or less treading water, and with this hot streak lately, with beating a lot of good teams, um, and now going eight and three in their last eleven games, Twins are now thirty nine and thirty eight since that moment. Um, again, thirty nine and thirty eight is not going to win you anything. It's a little bit over five hundred, but that does tell you that this team probably isn't as bad as its overall record is. That it just kind of hit this rut for the first six, seven weeks of the season everything that was thrown at them between the awful bullpen, the COVID interruption, um, you know the tragedy at the start of the year with Mike Bell passing away, all those things that we've talked about many times on this show, um, they, they kind of eventually found more of an equilibrium and are now 39 and 38 since that point. I'm not trying to say, hey, great, throw a parade for them. I'm just saying if you're looking for reasons for optimism next season, think about how they are finishing this year as opposed to how they started this year. Speaking of how you finish versus how you start, Lynx, big win the other day after the post-Olympic break, the resumption of the season, beat New York. They have Connecticut again uh, tonight, and that gives me a chance to talk about this team started 0-4 this season, got this season, turned around with an overtime win over Connecticut that kind of launched them on this path. Started 0-4. Now 13 and 7. That will tell you they are 13 and 3 since that start. Very much trending toward a playoff berth. Very much trending toward a team that will be a force to be reckoned with at the end of the year. So, if you were worried about the start of the year with the Lynx, uh, look now. 13 and 7 overall. 13 and 3 since the beginning of that season. Very impressive stuff, and a chance to go even further uh, tonight against uh, Connecticut. Let's end with the cooler. Interesting story out of Las Vegas. The Raiders announcing that they are requiring fans to have proof of vaccination before they are allowed to attend a game this season. Um, They also will be providing on-site vaccinations. If you are vaccinated on-site, you'll be allowed to enter, but you will have to wear a mask. Now, New Orleans uh, was the first team to jump into this mix, but they have their their policy is kind of a mix of vaccination or negative test result from the last 72 hours. Raiders are saying you must be vaccinated uh, as part of the health directive from uh, Nevada. So wondering if this will be followed in other markets, wondering how this will play out, especially with the Vikings this year who do play in an indoor, albeit gigantic facility. Is this policy going to come League-wide, will it be team-by-team team, you know, based on how different areas are doing with COVID? I will be very interested to see that, and uh, um, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Dave St. Peter on the show the other day indicated that various teams are thinking about these things, um, especially the teams that play inside. So interesting thing that we will see how they navigate this going forward. That'll do it for today. Phil Miller expected to join me on Wednesday's show. Spencer Hall should be on Thursday's show. Some people are asking me when Spencer's going to be on. Thursday should be the day for Spencer Hall and some more college football talk. Thanks for joining me today on Daily Delivery. Download this podcast. Please write a review or leave a rating if you would. And I'll see you again on Wednesday.